help those who are weak. Mm-hmm. That's good. Thank you, brother. Appreciate that. <clears throat> we all need to be reminded, don't we, to help those who are weak. It's easy to get kind of self-absorbed uh, when we're told very clearly in Scripture that we are to bear one another's burdens. We're called to help those who are weak. Yeah, um, I've often found that to be the case whenever I've gone to visit someone in the hospital or at home and um, went there really to try to be an encouragement to them. What ends up happening? You're the one that leaves encouraged. Uh, Isn't it interesting? The Lord grants a blessing, you know, in that. um, So let's, let's stand and we'll read again from our text in Romans 14. We read the whole chapter <clears throat> last week. And then um, here this morning, I just want to read the first three verses. Well, I say that, I'm sorry. I w- I'm actually wanting to read further than that. I wanted to read all the way through verse number uh, seven. No, eight. I might end up reading the whole chapter. We'll see. (laughs) Romans 14, verse number 1. Him that is weak in the faith, receive, but not to doubtful disputations. You want to give us that in the New American Standard, Donnie? I think that's important. Disputation is not a word that we typically use, so <clears throat> it's important to, to look at it from the sense of judging, and you can see when you get into verse number 3, the word judge actually appears. Um, but verse 2 says, For one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak. So we have the, the weaker defined, don't we? The weaker person's actually defined here. The one who's eating the herbs is in the weaker position in this instance. For one that believeth he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. Let not him that eateth, here's the danger. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. And let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth. For God hath received him. And we'll try to put some more faces on this this morning than just eating meat or eating herbs. Um, some practical things I think that that we've encountered in our lives, <clears throat> maybe encountering now. But the important thing here says, let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not, and let not him that eateth judge him that eateth. Look at the last part there. And this is the thought I want to really be on our minds this morning. God hath received him. Both cases, the one who eats, the one who doesn't eat. I think that's, that's, that's the main thought here this morning is God has received him. Now there's some, some attributing thoughts, some connecting thoughts as we go along here, but that's, that's the main thing right here. You look at somebody in a weaker position and you start to despise them. 
and you think they're weak. What could they do? They're weak. What benefit are they? They're weak. You know, whatever else may come along with that. And yet it says here, God's received them. So that's, that's important. <clears throat> now, as we go on to verse number four, it says, Who art thou? Who are you? Who are you to judge another man's servant? you imagine, you know, if, if, if you had here, you know, Rick and Ryan, they've got employees, and you come along and start judging, you know, their employees. Well, that's not your business, really. That's their business, you know. But who art thou that judgeth another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up. Think about that power we were talking about this morning, right? God's able to make him stand. You look at his position, you think, how weak. God's able to make him stand. So keep that in mind when we think about God having received him. God's able to make him stand. He shall hold him up. One man esteemeth one day above another. Another man esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. And that that has to do with the conscience, doesn't it? Let every man be persuaded in his own mind. This is a matter of conscience. A person may be in a weak position or a person may be in a strong position. It's a matter of conscience. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day, regardeth it. Here's another important part. If he regards the day, he regards it to the Lord. He's regarding this day as unto the Lord. The one that doesn't regard the day, again, it's the same thing. To the Lord he doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth thanks. He that eateth not, to the Lord he eateth not, and giveth God thanks. For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. I'm tempted to take us back in our thoughts again to that rippling effect, you know, that we've, we've talked about before. We, we don't live or die to ourselves, right? Um, you know, we, we have an influence upon each other. Um, you know, we've, we talked about it from the standpoint of sin. If you commit a sin, uh, it, it's going to involve other people, you know, more than likely. It's, 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 there's going to be an effect. Even, even if it's something nobody else knows about, it still has an effect in your life that's going to have an effect upon other people that may not even know what that sin is. It's still going to have an effect. So, so uh, we don't live or die unto ourselves. Whether we live, we live unto the Lord, or whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. So when you think about the, the, the grand scheme of things here in the weak or the strong, we're the Lord's. He's able to make the weak stand. He's made the strong stand. But he's able to, he's able to, to keep the weak just like he's kept you that you are strong. You know? And what are we called to here? We're called to help the weak. Is it always easy to help the weak? No. It can be frustrating to help the weak. Um, <clears throat> I'll use mom as an example. <laughs> Whenever she came to work at the insurance office, she had not really ever operated a computer before to speak of. And I would tell her how to use it, and she would write down things like double click. you know. And that, to us... To Donnie, for instance, that would be like, well, that's kind of crazy. You know, you have to write down, double-click, you know. But, but, I mean, every step along the way, she was having to make notes. And did she have to come back and ask me things again? And what did I have to do? I'm like, my mom is 20 years older than I am. I grew up with some of these things. She didn't. It's incredible that she's even making the attempt, 
you know, to do it? Why does she just say, well, I didn't, that didn't anything to do with it. Forget it. You know, I didn't, give me a typewriter. You know, I don't know. But she didn't. And we still had one in the beginning, didn't we? We used to go back there and type up ID cards way back when. But um, anyway, you know, it, it was, it was um, I don't want to say it was frustrating necessarily, but it was, it was irritating at times. I'm like, okay, Mom, you're gonna have to, I didn't say this to her, but I'm like, you're going to have to get it. You know, I mean, this is, this is something that we've gone over several times already. But then I had to, again, back up again and put myself in her shoes and say, you know what? She didn't learn these things like I did. Um, you know, and I didn't come up with them like, say, Ryan did, you know, um, a, a few years later. Um, but, but I did somewhat, you know, more, a lot more than, than she did. Um, so, you know, that's a really simple illustration I know because we're talking about just a computer you know but but it still bears the same principle that we have to bear with and we have to help and we have to we're, when I say we have to God's called us to yes we have to we bear with the weak you know whatever the case may be um, you know if, if somebody knows something about something more than I do you know I'm I'm if, if I'm humble enough about it I really want to know you know, and, and I'd hate for them to be frustrated, like, it'd take too long to show you. You know, let me just do it myself. Boy, did I do that a lot in the insurance office. They would give me an assistant. And I was like, I can do this faster myself than teaching them how to do it. But if I'd taken the time, I would have actually duplicated myself, you know, but I, I just wanted to get it done. Um, but we are, and I know those are simple illustrations, but we are to bear, you know, with one another. We're to help one another. Um, you know, there's things my mom knows a whole lot more about than I do. Um, I was asking her a question yesterday. I've got to where, Donnie, when I get hot, I'm old enough now, my eyes start to weep. And not just sweat, but I got water coming out of my eyes, too. I'm not crying, you know, but there's water coming. I'm like, Mom, does that happen when you get older? And she said, yep, that happens when you get older. <clears throat> so there's, there's things I, I still go to her about and ask her that I don't know anything about. She's been there. She's done that. I haven't yet. Um, you know, I, I know how you felt whenever, uh, I guess, I was born, you know, and, and your mom came and stayed, and I've heard you talk about it, and she was like, okay, I'm ready to go home. You're like, no, 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 you got to stay. You can't leave yet. Uh, I, don't, I don't know everything I need to know. I, 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 need, I need more help here. And she, what she, she told you, like, you, you'll be okay. You know, and she went on. Um, but it's kind of scary when that first one comes along. You don't know what exactly you know to do. You kind of think you know what you're doing, but um, I'm not sure even now the oldest one's 20 six, seven, 27. I still know, but she was asking me questions this morning all the way from Wyoming. So, and I'm, I'm glad I'm here to be able to, you know, try to help her, but that's what we're called to do. We're called to help one another. Remember the illustration from last week? If we got here and one of the sisters was carrying something heavy, you know, out of the car into the church building and they were getting close to the door and you saw they were, had this thing and they weren't going to be able to open the door. I mean, you'd run up there. They'd either take the thing from them or open the door for them, you know. I mean, we have that sort of a, a thought, you know, in, in a way that, that, that helps us to understand this idea and this need that we have. Um, did we say that last week? I said those exact words last week, didn't I? Do we need to hear them again? Yeah. Yeah, we need to hear them again. Yeah. Do we need to be told over and over uh, yeah, we need to be told over and over. Can can we forget to do that? Absolutely. I mean, I thought, and Teresa probably thought, I would always open the door for her. I don't always do it. You know, but she didn't get on to me about it. You know, but I, I thought I always would do that. Sometimes I let her open the door for herself. She shouldn't have to. I should open that door for her, Bud Jerry. 
Yeah, I should. He's going to get on to me later because I don't do that. Yeah. Well, let's let's go to the Lord in prayer and and. Um, what after I open the door? Before? <laughs> I don't know that she thinks anything about that. She gets, she gets aggravated with me at times because I, I won't go through the door first. I'll stop. Yeah, when I didn't do it? I don't know. Ask her. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> but I can tell you that she gets aggravated with me sometimes because I'll wait for her to go through the door first, a doorway. Sometimes she'll stop. And it's like playing chicken, you know. Like, who's going to go first? I'm like, oh, we'll stand here all day. You can go <laughs> if you want to. She'll finally go through. She's like, ah. <laughs> um, especially when I've got like two arms full of groceries and I've got five or six bags in each hand and, and, and she's walking to the door. She's like, go ahead. And I'm like, no, you go. <laughs> but anyway, um, we are to defer. We are to prefer. Um, I mean, think about us. How weak are we compared to God? How weak are we? How does God bear with us every single day, every single moment? Right now, how long-suffering is God towards us? How weak are we? How in need are we? And yet, He continues to supply over and over and over again. And He never complains, you know, about it. He supplies our every need. Causes all things to work together for our good every day. It's like, I'm tired of making things work together for good for you. All these mistakes that you're making, you know, you know. Um, should we act that way towards one another? No. Um, we need to be more like Christ. Well, let's, like I said, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Um, Brother JT, would you pray for us? Yes. 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 Amen. Be seated. When I when I hear you pray, not just JT, when I hear you pray and use that word pastor, well, it just it's a very humbling thing. 
And every time I hear that, and I, it takes me back to being in my 20s, standing up here the very first time and saying, Lord, I am not sufficient for this, and I need your grace each and every day. If I, I don't want to waste people's time. You know, I don't want to stand up here and just talk. But this power that we were talking about this morning, you know, I want that to be an operation in all of us. Um, that we might, that we might um, I think Sister Delina had mentioned uh, a quote by C.S. Lewis this week in one of the text messages that had gone back and forth. And, and I was thinking about the, one of the books that he wrote was called The, the Last Battle. And um, he talked about going further up and further in. And, you know, that, in my mind, that's growing in grace. You know, going further up and further in. Um, I think about Paul, you know, he's, he's praying for the, the saints there, and he's, he's like, that, I might, that, that, that Christ might be formed in you, you know, that Christ might be formed in us, uh, that we might be, be made into his image, that, that we'd be like the clay in the potter's hand, and that we'd be shaped and, and, and molded and fashioned uh, into the image of Christ, that we might bring more and more and more glory to God in everything, that, that our speech would be such that that people would hear Christ just in, just in our conversations that we're having with people. Um, I, I mentioned two people showing up yesterday, walked out of the woods. Well, they were people that bought the property, you know, behind us, and and they walked over, and and that that our our our, our speech might you know overflow with grace when we're speaking to people. That our thoughts, you know, you know I, I was thinking about them. This morning, and I was like, Lord, two souls walked out of the woods yesterday. You know, it wasn't two people. It were two souls, two eternal souls. Um, he even made the comment when I was talking to him yesterday. He said, nobody lives forever. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, we do. Every one of us are going to live forever. Um, you know, there's two souls, you know, here that, that, that need the gospel. Um, there's two souls here that need to know that, that, they're, that they are sinners. There's two souls here that need to know that there's a Savior. There's two souls that need to hear the everlasting gospel. Um, but as we, as we look at, at and, and, and there's the weaker too, right? I mean, we're talking about weaker and stronger. I mean, here's someone that doesn't even know. Um, far as I know, I don't really know. Um, you know. He expressed an interest in maybe coming. They don't really live up here. They live like in Willis. Um, but but um, if they don't know the Lord, what a weaker position you know they're in. I know here we're talking about brethren and we're talking about weaker, but but um, they certainly are in a weak place, not even knowing God, not even knowing the danger they're in, not even knowing the eternal damnation. You know, not thinking upon it. I mean, they probably press it out of their minds. I mean, we know the lost do. They they suppress the truth of God. They don't want to think about those things. Uh, but here we are. You know, here we are, and we remind them of that. Here we are, we're light. Here we are, we're salt. Here we are as a continual reminder, you know, of those things before them. Uh, they drive by, and they see your cars out there. They may not know who you are, but they see people that are gathered, and they're reminded once again. Maybe they were raised in church. Maybe they had a mother who taught them these things, and they, they reminded when they, they drive by, that's where I need to be. Uh, well, may the Lord press upon them to actually be there and not just a thought across their mind they need to be in church. Well, this morning as we look at the weaker and the stronger that we, we have presented to us here in these, in these first verses, um, I want to try, like I was talking about with my mom, and putting yourself in that person's shoes. You know, see if 
we need to try to do that when we're dealing with people that, that, that need help. But, but consider the Jew this morning in light of our passage. Um, all of his life he had been under strict dietary law. You know, he's been under strict law as far as his diet's concerned. God had set apart Israel through that, through dietary means and other things, uh, like circumcision, for instance, had set them apart as a people. Uh, he had given these things, these dietary laws that pertained unto clean and unclean animals. It was a distinction. It was a separation uh, between Jew and Gentile. It was a point of separation and even dedication uh, between Jew and Gentile. They ate and did not eat as unto the Lord's command. The Lord said, don't eat this, eat that. They didn't eat this and they ate that. And like I was saying this morning, I kind of wanted to bring Daniel before us in that regard. You know, we, we, uh, we see him in that, in that way. But as far as the Jews were concerned, 2 Corinthians 6.17 would register with them because it's actually Isaiah 52.11. Wherefore, come out from among them, be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. You know, so this is, this is where the Jewish, you know, you think about the early church and where they were coming from. Uh, what they were coming, you know, out from in a sense, but an, an example in, in one sense is, is of this, these dietary laws is like I was mentioning with Daniel. In Daniel 1.8, it says, but Daniel purposed in his heart. I mean, the king had sent meat for them to eat of, but it says he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Daniel's conscience was offended by the thought of eating some of those things that came from the king's table. Why? The conscience gets informed, doesn't it? I mean, your conscience can be informed a lot of different ways. Here with Daniel, his conscience was informed by the Word of God, what God had said. And we talked about it last week, about how the way we're brought up, our conscience can be informed. You know, through the things that we go through and experience, our consciences can be informed. And those will have a direct bearing upon how we do, how we think, what we eat, don't eat, whatever the case may be. That portion from the king's table, again, offended Daniel's conscience because it was informed by the word of God. He had a conscience that he desired to be without offense before God. If he had eaten of that, what would have happened to Daniel's conscience? It would not have been void of offense. It would have been guilty before God had he done that. So in our text, we find one who believes he may eat all things, the other who eats only herbs or vegetables. Um, But both, we said what? Both doing so that they might honor the Lord. Daniel, under the Old Testament dietary law, did not want to eat the king's portion, not because he didn't want to offend the king, that he consider eating it or not eating it, because he didn't want to offend God. He didn't eat, or he did eat, didn't eat, whatever the case may be. He ate the vegetables, because he didn't want to offend God. He didn't eat the meat because he didn't want to offend God. But my point in all that is you can see as we put it in the context of Daniel's circumstances that you can see where a person might be and it doesn't have to be, like I said, we can put different faces on it, but where a person might be in some of these matters. It was by threat of their very lives 
a person in that circumstance where Daniel was could have yielded. If you don't do this, you're going to be put to death. I mean, the eunuch was in fear of his own life if Daniel didn't do the thing that Nebuchadnezzar had said. Um, How easy would it be to yield to temptation to do what was being commanded of you? But there was a higher authority. Here we go back to power again, right? There was a higher authority than Nebuchadnezzar. You know, a, a person in a different position might have yielded under that. Um, they re- regarded Nebuchadnezzar's authority as the highest authority. But we know a higher authority than Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel's heart was fully given to follow the Lord. That's the point. God had set them apart. <clears throat> they desired the, to do the thing, not to please themselves, not to please others, but to please the Lord. And that is what we see here in this, even this weaker position. That's what that person's seeking to do. You may not have any scruples about what they cannot do, but to them it is a big deal. To them it is an offense under their conscience. To them they would be guilty before God. So we need to be careful. We need to be mindful um, you know, of people that have difficulties in areas that we do not. You think about Peter, who he saw the vision of the sheets filled with those things that were considered unclean, and he was told to arise, Peter, kill, and eat. How many times did the Lord do that? Anybody remember? There Peter was on top of the roof. Three times. Three times the Lord brings that before Peter. Arise, Peter, kill, and eat. Not so, Lord. You remember Peter said, To which the Lord replies in verse 15 of Acts 10, What God hath cleansed, call not common or unclean. So think about the weaker brother. Don't call that common. Don't call that unclean in a sense. What we're saying here is don't regard them in that way. You know, be patient, be gentle, be loving, be kind, be be long-suffering, you know, as God has been, you know, towards us. God has received them. Who are you not to? Who am I not to receive them if God has received them? Who are we not to do that? So God was showing Peter more than just clean and unclean animals, right? Because right upon the heels of that vision of that sheet three times coming before Peter, here comes some Gentiles. Two servants and, and one of Cornelius's soldiers had come. And they were asking for Peter to come and preach the gospel unto them. How might Peter have responded, you know, had the Lord not made these things known, you know, unto him? Uh, we even know Peter had trouble with that later on, don't we? You know, we talked about that last week where Paul withstood Peter to his face and says, Peter, you're wrong. You're wrong. When the Jews are here, you won't eat with the Gentiles. When the Jews aren't here, you eat with the Gentiles. It's wrong, Peter. You're to be blamed, Peter. You can't do that, Peter. Uh, What do the the Gentiles think? uh, You're trying to convince them that they need to become a Jew, that they need to take upon themselves certain things, be circumcised, whatever the case may be, in order to be accepted. No. God's accepted. Don't call common or don't call unclean what god has called clean 
So God was showing this you know, unto Peter. But we see the conscience of Daniel and Peter committed to do the thing that God had commanded. In Galatians 2 verse 11 is the place where we see that about uh, Paul and, and, uh, and Peter. But I wanted to read this because what we do or not do in these situations can have an effect upon even people who are strong in the faith. And listen to what's said here in Galatians 2, 11 through 14. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed for before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. You know, there was those Judaizers that would come along, right, and say, well, it's Christ and something else. You can't have just Christ. That, that's not enough. You know, you've got to be circumcised too. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. So... It says, and the other Jews dissembled likewise with him insomuch, listen, that Barnabas, you think about that, insomuch that Barnabas, this is Paul's companion, Peter's having an effect upon Barnabas. These, these Jews that wanted to separate themselves from the Gentiles were having an effect upon Barnabas, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou, being a Jew, livest after the manner of Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? You, know, you imagine compelling you know, a, a Gentile to, you know, that, that's, that's been, the gospel's been preached unto and said the salvation's in Christ and Christ alone and telling them you've also got to be circumcised. You know. Um, that would be an offense, you know, unto his conscience, you know, knowing that salvation's in Christ and not in any works of the flesh, but yet you're compelling him to do something in the flesh. Um, so we need to be careful what we compel of people that are in a weaker position. Um, you know, keeping ordinance of the law as a means of righteousness when our hope's in Christ. I mean, that's just, you think about the Galatians, oh, foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? <laughs> you know, who hath, who, who's, who's changed your mind? I taught you the gospel. You know, who's corrupted you? Who's compelled you to do these other things? 1 Timothy 4.1 says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. So be careful what we compel you know, people to do. That, that's not what we're being told here. We're not being told here in Romans 14 to compel people to do something different that would violate their conscience. That's not what we're being told. You can have an opinion. Let's just back up and let's just say again. We said it last week, but let's just state again. What kind of things are we talking about here? We're, we're talking about things that, that are non, I'll say it in this way, absolutes. These are things that the Scripture doesn't command of us. If the Scripture doesn't command it of us, why do you compel somebody to do something that is of your opinion? Um, 
We need to be careful in that regard. Something that would offend their conscience. Something that they're not quite ready for yet. Something that they haven't been brought to a place that they can see yet. Uh, and you would compel them to do this thing. I mean, think about it from the standpoint of what we're talking about here with meats. You know, say that there's meat sacrificed to idols, that the Gentiles are like, I can't do that. You know, and you compel them to do it. And they get in there and they start eating that thing and every bite that they take is more and more guilt that's being heaped upon their conscience. And they're looking at you and they're like, well, he can do it, I guess I should be able to do this. But their conscience just won't allow it. They're really having a, a, a real struggle, real difficulty. And it's putting a stumbling block before them. And we're the reason why. We're the person causing that. We're causing our brother to stumble when we should be coming alongside him like Paul said, okay, you can't eat meat. Maybe not verbalizing this, but I know this brother has a trouble with this. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it, especially in front of him. Um, I'm going to try to help him, you know, if I can in some way. If that, means, if that means it costs me something, that's okay. That's okay. If I can help my brother, that's all right. I'm willing to do that. If it costs me something, it doesn't matter. So be careful in compelling people in non-essential things. Non-essential things. We'll talk about some of those things in a few minutes. Non-essential, non-absolute, matters of conscience, matters that are not explicitly declared in Scripture, matters such as eating certain meats. Matters such as observing certain days. That's what we see here in our passage. Things that otherwise would be easy for us to make matters of dispute. Why can't you do that? Why can't you see? Why can't you be in my position? Why can't you think the way that I do? Why can't you do the things that I do? We can make it a matter of dispute. We're called not to do that. What are we called to do? It says here that we're to receive them. We are to accept them. Again, these are non-essential, non-absolute things. These are things that you have an opinion of and things that according to where you are at this time is where you see they should be able to be, but they're just not there yet. They're not in the same place. They're not in the same place. We're not called to dispute over these matters. We're not called to pass judgment over these matters. We're called to unity, to love, to concern for others, to receiving the person whose convictions is not quite what ours are. In non-essential matters. How about one person believing they can, you know, that it's a good thing to own a gun. You know, I know, there are brethren who can't. They can't even possess one. They, they don't want to even think about having a gun. They don't want one in their houses. Um, you know, and you're going to compel them, you know, to, to, to change their mind on this thing? This is a non-essential thing. The Bible doesn't say anything about that. And you're going to compel them to have something that's going to offend their conscience? Um, we ought not to do uh, things such as that, but rather we're called to bear with them in whatever the case may be, whatever the thing may be that we're talking about here. Um, it, in verse 3, look at verse number 3. What does it say there? Let not him that eateth despise. What word do you have there, Donnie? regard with contempt so despise regard with contempt would be another way to look at that let not one who eats regard with contempt or despise the one who does not eat Uh, let him who does not eat judge him who eats for god has accepted him but that word despise there you know it really indicates this is what could happen 
with a weaker brother or sister. This word despise indicates a contempt for someone. You hold that person in disdain. You hold that person in contempt. You, you look at them as somehow lesser. You look at them you know, in, in, as worthless maybe. Um, you know, you, 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 how can we regard a brother or sister that way when God receives them? Um, that's, that's the danger there. You know, in regards to the person, you know, who eats looking at the person that doesn't eat. That person could hold that person, you know, in a contemptuous, you know, sort of a mode of thinking and disdain and disregard. And then on the other side of things, you know, when you have the person that, that who's looking at the one who's, who, who's eating who doesn't eat, <clears throat> you know, what's the word that's used there? The word's judge. And so... That person condemns the person who does it. So here's the person who's eating meat. The one who doesn't looks at that person and they judge them. They pass judgment upon what they're doing. And, and they say of that person, you know, something along the lines of, you know, well, that, that person's taking way too much liberty. You know, how could they be of any use, you know, in God's kingdom with the liberties that they take uh, from, you know, their position? That's the danger that person could look at the stronger person from. So the strong hold the weak. And contempt, maybe as legalistic, might even think of them as self-righteous. And the weak judge the strong as irresponsible. Irresponsible and maybe even go so far as to say that person's depraved. You know what they do? Um, But the end of verse number three, like we said, God has accepted the one who eats as well as the one who does not eat to his own master. He stands or he falls. How Christ evaluates each believer is what matters, not our opinions, not the way we think about things, not our personal preference. They see something that in the not doing it, not eating the meat, in other words, that they're serving Christ. How can we hold somebody in contempt who's serving the Lord as best as they know how, to the best of their ability, where they are in their life, in their Christian walk, in their Christian experience right then? How can we hold that person in disdain and contempt? What ought we to see? We ought to see someone who loves the Lord. Um, they, they may have some, some, some problems. They may be weak in some areas, but they love the Lord. You know, one person drinks wine, the other person couldn't have it anywhere near them. You know, you think about that. Um, one person has no qualms about it. The other person, you know, think about their experience. Maybe they came up in an alcoholic environment. Maybe their, maybe their dad came home and beat them every night uh, in, in some kind of drunken rage. Um, think about where people could come from. You know, the positions they could be in, that they don't want that to be anywhere near them. Or maybe they came out of a life of alcoholism themselves. Um, and, and you want to set that before them at the table and compel them to drink? You know, when they were like, oh, I, can't, I, I can't even have that in my refrigerator. I don't even cook with it. I won't cook with wine. I won't cook with, you know, uh, sherry or cook with whatever the case may be. You know, I don't even want it. I don't even look at it. I don't even walk down, you know, that aisle in the grocery store. Um, you know, I don't even want to, you can, you can head back into town here and there's a beer distributorship on this side and on that side. I don't want to drive down that road. I don't want to be around it. I want to avoid that at all costs. Um, you know, people's consciences can be there. 
Um, and we need to meet them where they are. Um, we don't need to drop them up in the parking lot and say, brother, you just got to deal with this. Get over this. You know, uh, no, you know, we're, we're called to bear with them. Um, so what we need to see again is someone who loves the Lord and received them. Um, if something like meat offered to idols offends them, then seek to understand them, seek to love them, seek to help them. I mean, this is part of the body from, for whom Christ died. That's uh, what we're dealing with here. Um, remember that they're doing so or not doing so as unto the Lord. I was reading MacArthur, and he made this statement. Maybe it'll help. I've been trying to make this in different ways, but, but he said the liberated believer is tempted to look upon his legalistic brother as being too rigid and too restricted to be of any use to the Lord. The legalist, on the other hand, is tempted to think of his liberated brother as being too freewheeling and too undisciplined to serve Christ effectively. He says, this is the root of disunity. I mean, this is a place that can cause division. This is the place that can cause trouble and problems, you know, within the body. Ephesians 4, 1, Paul says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you were called, with all lowliness and meekness, with longsuffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as you also were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. One. Right? Isn't that word just impressed upon us? One, one, one. We as the body of Christ are one. We are to, we are to take and, and, and come alongside and lift the other side of the burden and help that person carry it, you know, whatever it may be. We're called to unity. If one part of the body is injured or hurting, I mean, we, we know what that's like as far as our physical body is concerned. I mean, we immediately take and we bring that, you know, to ourselves or, you know, one of the rabbits scratched me on the arm the other day and I'm like, well, they, they go all the way through. No, it's not that bad. So peroxide will deal with that, you know, but you see what I'm talking about. I mean, there's, whatever the case may be, boy, if I hit my head, you know, top of your head, boy, that, that hurts. I mean, she hit me with the back of the the, the van one day we were out and I was coming up putting something in she thought everything was in she pulled it down she didn't mean to wham like man that hurt <laughs> and I was like holding my head and I'm thinking is there blood you know I mean we know what that's like for the body don't we well think about the church we need to be the same way don't we we need to treat one another the same way as we would you know ourselves you think about this ability for God to make them stand. I thought about Jude 24. Now unto him that is able to keep you from what? Falling. Did we mention that last week, didn't we? It's worth, worthy of mentioning again. I mean, you think about that weaker brother. They, how are they going to make it? I'll tell you how they're going to make it. God's able to make them stand. He's able to support them. He's able to, to bring them along. You know, they aren't where you are. But they can get there. And God's able to make them stand until they do. So consider that. We need to think about that. We're kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. And as Peter said, in this we greatly rejoice. That we, I mean, think, don't you greatly rejoice in that, that you don't have to keep yourself? We're kept by the power of God. I mean, that's been a theme today, hasn't it? The power of God. We're kept by the power of God. It's not, it's not my steam that I've got to... I've got to make it under each day. But I can get up every morning and I can appeal to the throne of grace and say, Lord, I need grace today. 
I need grace to speak. I need grace to think. I need grace to act. I need grace to glorify you in everything that I do. I need grace. And what? The Lord gives. Just like wisdom, He'll give that liberally. He'll give it unto us. He's not going to hold it back and say, no, I I don't think I'll give you any grace today. No, if we ask for it, the Lord's glad to supply our need. If we confess our weakness, He's glad to supply the strength that we need. Lord, I just don't know that I can do this. In fact, Lord, I know I can't do it. Um, I, I need strength. I need, I need grace from you. I need power. Uh, I, I need wisdom. I don't, I don't know what to do in this situation, in this circumstance. I don't know how to respond here, what I, what I need to do next, uh, what the next step is, um, where, I, where I go from here. Lord, I'm appealing unto you. The Lord will graciously supply that. Does that mean it's going to be easy? No. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It may be, the, Lord may, the Lord may let you get to the end of your strength. To where you find out that you can't do it on your own. Um, Where you appeal unto Him and He supplies that need. So who are we to say to the weak, I'm just not sure about you. I don't think you're going to make it. It's not looking so good for you. (laughs) Uh, Who are we to say such a thing you know, unto someone who's seeking to serve the Lord? Don't put a stumbling block before someone like that that will wound their conscience. Uh, defile their conscience, bring guilt upon them. Uh, I, I wanted to read, I think we read s- some of this last week, but uh, it, it's a lot to read, but I want to read it all. It, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 8. If you want to turn over there with me, 1 Corinthians 8. Um, Paul deals with this. You know, it's not exactly the same as what we see you know, here in, in Romans 14, but in 1 Corinthians 8, we, we read beginning in, in verse number 1. Where Paul says, now is touching things offered unto idols. Well, we know we're on a similar, you know, <clears throat> plane here, right? We know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. Now, maybe I've got the strong position over here that I feel like, yeah, I can eat whatever. I mean, pork, bacon, bring it on. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, I can eat it all. And here's my brother over here who can't do those things. He cannot. I've got knowledge. I'm all puffed up and proud. And, and he's, he's over here struggling. Well, what does he need? He needs charity. He needs love. He needs compassion. Verse 2 says, If any man think, as I, th- as I think about that, any man who thinks he stands, he better take heed, right? Lest he do what? Fall. But... If any man think he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing yet, as he ought to know. I think I know some things. I don't know anything as I ought to know. But if any man love God, the same is known of him. As concerning, therefore, the eating of those things that are offered in sacrifice unto idols, we know that an idol is not anything in the world, and there is none other than God. For though there be that that are called gods, whether in heaven or in earth, as there be gods many and lords many, but to us there is but one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we in him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by him. Howbeit there is not in every man that knowledge. For some with conscience of the idol unto this hour eat it as a thing offered unto an idol. And their conscience being weak is defiled. 
But meat commendeth us not to God, for neither if we eat are we the better, neither if we eat not are we the worse. But take heed lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. For if any man see thee with which hast knowledge sit at meat in an idol's temple, shall not the conscience of him which is weak be emboldened to eat those things which are offered to idols? And through thy knowledge shall thy weak brother perish for whom Christ died? But when ye sin so against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Wherefore, if meat make my brother to offend, I will eat no flesh while the world standeth, lest I make my brother to offend or to stumble. Um, you know, so, I mean, that's, that just fits right in with everything that we're talking about, right? We may think that we have wisdom on the matter, and we may end up offending the conscience of the one that we're seeking to liberate, um, wounding them in some way. Um, turn a few pages over to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, <clears throat> verse 23. I mean, here's this knowledge, all things are lawful for me, um, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Well, that's lawful for me to strut right into that temple and eat that meat sacrificed to idols, but it's not edifying to my brother. Um, let no man seek his own, right? We're not seeking our own. We're seeking the good of the body, not just our own. Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. Don't you want to see your brother or sister built up in Christ? I mean, isn't that the most beautiful thing that you can see is them built up in Christ? Whatever is sold in the shambles, that eat, asking no question for conscience sake. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If any of them that believe not bid you to a feast and you be disposed to go... Whatever is set before you, eat, asking no question for conscience' sake. But if any man say unto you, This is offered in sacrifice unto the idols, eat not for his sake that showed it, and for conscience' sake. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Conscience, I say, not thine own, but the other. And that, that could be just written right over the top of what we've been saying today, right? Conscience, not thine own, but of the other. For why is my liberty judged of another man's conscience? For if I by grace be a partaker, why am I evil spoken of for that for which I give thanks? Whether therefore you eat or drink, doesn't that put that verse in a new context? Whether you eat or drink, I don't eat because it offends my brother. Whether for you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. Wherefore, or whether therefore you eat or drink, and whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God, even as I please all men in all things, not seeking mine own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. Not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many. You know, we could change the setting. I know those who are, and you may know some of these people too, I know people who are offended to go into any restaurant that has a bar. You ever met somebody like that? I have. Um, I mean, there's a bar inside the restaurant. It's not a, it's not a bar that we're going into. I mean, there's, there's, one, <laughs> there's one of those on the way to town. But, but it's, 
chiefly a bar, the food's kind of the side thing. We're talking about going into a restaurant where the bar is kind of the side thing, right? But there are some people that can't go into places like that. It offends their conscience. Well, I'm not going to invite my brother to go out to eat in that place. You know, that's not a place he needs to be. It's, it's, it's a trouble to him. It offends his conscience. He would be thinking about that thing the entire night. He would be dealing with that thing for days later. Um, Lord, I'm so sorry that I went into that place. Um, you don't have a problem with it at all. It doesn't offend your conscience at all. But his, it's a big deal, you know, to him. It's not like we're sitting at the bar, but there's a bar in there that bothers him. It offends my brother or it offends my sister. So how should we treat each other with differences? Well, we need to act lovingly. We need to treat them lovingly. Love, that'll solve a lot of problems, won't it? If I act in a loving way towards my brother or sister, that's going to solve a lot of problems. That takes us back in previous chapters here in Romans where you're not going to covet something that belongs to your neighbor if you're loving your neighbor. You're not going to steal from your neighbor if you're loving your neighbor. You know, we can put a lot of things in that place. You're not going to murder your neighbor if you're loving your neighbor, right? So, you know, does it happen? Can we offend one another's consciences? Can we offend one another in that way? Has it happened? Is it happening? Uh, can we remember what we're looking at here when it happens again, when the situation comes before us again, or we're, we're, we're put into this place where we've got a weaker brother that we're having to, to um, think about? I mean, if we were climbing a mountain, we have to think about the people that were in our party. Probably not going to be everybody that's going to be able to make it to the top. We may have to go a certain distance Maybe see that one best feature, uh, our vantage point, our view, and then turn around and come back because there's weaker people, you know, in our, our group. We don't want to find ourselves about the business of despising one who can't eat or judging one who can, but about the business of loving one another, helping one another. How about this? Homeschool or public school? Yeah, that's, that's one of these places. You know, and here somebody says, well, <laughs> I'm not sending my kids to public school. You know, they're going to be homeschooled. We're going to teach them, you know, these things. We're not going to learn all that, you know. And you, you've got another person, you know, that's like, you know, this is, this is the situation that I'm in. Maybe this is what they have to do. Maybe they would like to do that, but they have to do this. Or, they, I, I, you know, the other position is, you know what, I want my kids to be in there and be a light to those people in darkness. Um, you know, but does the Bible say, well, Donnie, you've got to homeschool your kids? No. Um, we're told that we're to bring our children up with the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You know, we know where to do that, um, whether that's public school or, or homeschool or private school or whatever the case may be. But some people are going to homeschool. Some people aren't going to. You know, or are we going to take a position and say, well, you just don't love your children because you don't homeschool. That's, that's a terrible place to put a person in. Um, how about thoughts regarding Sundays? You know, one person, you know, may feel like I can't do anything at all, you know, on Sunday. And another person feels like they have liberty to be able to do some things. I mean, it's restful to some people to get on a bike and take a stroll down, you know, the, the driveway. And just in the cool breeze of the evening, just pedal their bike around. I mean, it's just a restful thing. They're enjoying the Sabbath. They're glorifying God. You shouldn't be pedaling your bike on the Sabbath day. You know, right? 
How about the Lord's Supper? Closed, open communion, wine, grape juice, bread, crackers. How about the way that we come dressed on Sunday, suit and tie or jeans and a button-down shirt, uh, dress or slacks? How about, you know, music? We can't have a piano. We can't have a piano. Um, we can have some instruments, but we can't have this instrument, that particular instrument. We can't have that one, you know. Um, you know, there's a worship leader, no song leader, um, hymns only, special music. I remember Brother Barney talking about to his family. He said, now we're going to this camp. And it was the one where Brother Conrad, you know, pastor of the church there, the, the Grace Camp in Bentley. And he told his family, now, you know, Brother Conrad doesn't believe in special music. Well, the Bryants sing a lot of special music. So we're not going to take anything. We're not going to be singing any special music. And they get there, and what did Brother Conrad say? Brother Barney, you got a special you could sing. <laughs> um, King James only, or, and, and no other versions whatsoever. I mean, you, you know my position on this. I, it happened to me again this morning, Brother JT. I was looking for a verse of Scripture, and I had switched the Bible study program that I have over to the 1977 version of the New American Standard Bible. And I'm like, why won't it bring this verse up? I know I, the, the word, those words are in there. You know? And then I'm like, oh, I switched to the King James. There it was. You know? um, but it's just that's what I was raised on. You know? So it's... it's <laughs> All the verses come to my mind in this, you know, in this. My kids, the, the youngest two especially, have, uh, like, Dad, can't we have a different version? I'm like, yeah, I guess. If you, but I'd really like for you to learn, you know, it was all of these and those. I said, yeah, that's beautiful. <laughs> I love the language, you know, there. Um, but, you know, am I going to say, well, every other version of the Bible is condemned? Well, then, you know, Donnie and I are going to have a problem because he's got a different version of the Bible. And, and, and you know, I often ask him, you know, what does, what does that say? It, it, and it sheds some light, you know, and it gives some clarity, you know, there. Uh, but I know, brethren, and you do too, that they are King James only. If I came to their church and I preached another version of the Bible, I would never be invited to preach again. Amen. You know, so we, we, am I going to go on purpose and take a different version of the Bible just to say, well, you need to change your mind on this. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this just just to spite you. You know, you know, no. You know, we you know take a position like that, um, alienate a part of the body. Um, why would we ever do such a thing? Lord, keep us from such thoughts of thinking in such ways. I mean, I know people that could think that way. Well, I'm gonna change their mind on this. You know, uh, I'm, I'm gonna preach from another version. You know, and I'm gonna I'm gonna show them. You know, I know people like that. Um, that's not a good place. I mean, you're, you offend part of the body. Who are you offending? What do we read? We, we offend our Lord. Um, how careful we need to be. You know, beyond eating meat or not, you know, there were holy days. You know, some kept them, some didn't. Uh, think about the Jew. He, you know, he kept a certain day. The Gentiles were like, that doesn't really mean anything to me. Um, but I'll not keep it under the Lord, just like you're keeping it, you know, under the Lord. Um, how about we put it in this light? We celebrate the 4th of July. The British don't, right? <laughs> so, so uh, you know, think think about it in in terms like that. I've got brethren who don't celebrate Christmas or Easter, not in the way that 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 a lot of people do. Um, they don't have a tree. They don't exchange gifts. But they no less remember the Lord. You know, on that day, am I going to go and you know force them to change their mind on something like that? You know, that's my conviction, or that's their conviction. Keep it your conviction. It's, it's, it's not an absolute in Scripture. Keep it as your conviction. 
We shouldn't despise the other one about it. We don't want to wound the conscience of another. We don't want to cause, you know, hard feelings, ill feelings. We should seek to love one another, not bind the conscience of somebody else to our own personal and private convictions about things. I mean, we may have a position. That's great. It's good that you have a position. And you may share that position with somebody else, but don't force them, you know, into it. Uh, if, it's, if it's a place they need to grow to, then the Lord's able to bring them along, you know, in that way, right? Here's what John Owen said. He said, only what God has commanded in his word should be regarded as binding. In all else, there may be liberty of actions. Only what God's word says is binding. Everything else, there's liberty. There's liberty in those things. One person may do something, then another person doesn't. You know, the person riding the bike on Sunday, you know, person that doesn't, you know. So that's restful to them. You know, our, our, the Lord is our Sabbath. <laughs> Here they are out there riding their bike, just praising God. And you're coming along and condemn them because they're riding their bike. <laughs> um, Augustine said this, in essentials, you've heard this before, right? In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, anybody? Charity. In all things, charity. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. That kind of sums it up, doesn't it? So, again, we're not talking about absolutes here. Murder's murder. Lying's lying. Stealing's stealing. Those things are absolutes. We're talking about non-absolutes. Everybody, again, is not where we are. People have differences of opinion, different viewpoints. They're in different places. Things that do not have to do with absolutes. Things that do not have to do with the non-optional. Things that do not have to do with the universal absolutes of God, but are rather our personal convictions. Um, even my wife and I have some differences of opinion on you know, some things. Um, you know, even in regards to, and maybe you look down on me when you hear me say this, but even in regards to, you know, if we went, took the kids to see, you know, busy all week long, they wanted to see some new Disney thing or whatever that came out, the movies, and I'd take them to the movies. She does not like to do that on Sunday. That's her conviction. I don't, you know, share that same conviction with her, and I should, you know, she's, I hope she didn't mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that might have happened with a van door. But, but you see, even in my own household, you know, there's, there's some differences, you know, there in that regard. I, I should always open the door. I, I've got, and close it, I've got, I've got an aunt. It's, it's my aunt Anita and my, my dad's sister. I mean, she will not go out and eat at any restaurant on a Sunday because in her mind, that's keeping that person from being in church. You know. So people have different convictions, different opinions, different places than we are. How careful we all need to be. And the strong, again, ought to bear with the weak. Again, I'll say this. Has God not been long-suffering with us? I mean, I think about how that I gravitate towards someone who's stronger in the faith. 
I don't know if, I mean, I know people that they just overflow. You know, Bob Woodruff was that way. Just The things of God just overflowed from him, you know, all the time. There wasn't a conversation that was had that did not involve, uh, you know, the things of God and, that, and glorifying God. I mean, it was just continual, you know, from him. And I admired him so much. I loved to be around him. But what if he had, what if he had disdained me? You know, what if, he had, what if he had treated me with contempt because I was weaker, you know, in some regard than he was and didn't include me, didn't invite me, you know, in? I mean, how we look up to some people in that regard and how we need to be careful, you know, about how we treat that, that, that weaker brother or sister in Christ. You know, because how much influence could we have? How much influence for good? How much influence for growth? How much influence, you know, could we have in, in their lives in different ways uh, to build them up? How careful we need to be. Here we're told to receive and accept the weak, to help the weak. Think about the Lord. He left the 99 and went after what? The one. He went after the one. The one that had gone astray. Um, how careful we need to be. Help, Lord, help us to be what he's calling us to be here. I, I know we've repeated some of the things that we saw you know, last week, but I wanted to try to expand them a little bit and put some different faces you know, upon them, you know, y'all kind of lit up when I said homeschooling and not homeschooling, homeschooling public school, you know. I mean, there, there are things that people make debates out of. Well, one person has one conviction, one person has another. And this one's, this one's doing this as under the Lord, and that one's doing it as under the Lord. Receive each other, accept each other, pray for each other. Um, you know, the, the, the homeschooling mom that feels overwhelmed because here her, her children's entire education is, I mean, I could really mess them up, you know, sort of a thought. Or here, this one over here who's sending their kids to public school, Lord, protect them from some of the things that they will be taught, that will be set before them. You know, help me to have them, the hard conversations with them about those things before they get there so they can, they can understand and they can... They can you know, see that for what it is, you know, before this person that's in a leadership role, you know, in their lives as a teacher begins to tell them this is the truth. Or we can say there's a higher authority and God says that's not the truth. Um, so anyway, both, both, you know, are seeking to serve the Lord in both of those circumstances. Both are fully convicted they're doing the right thing in God's sight. So Love one another, pray for one another, help one another. You know, that's what we're called into. Well, let's stand and we'll go to the Lord in prayer. I was thinking about how that in those instances, sharp words can be so offensive and can wound. You know, how careful we need to be. As we were reading those first few verses of Romans 14, I was thinking about the 23rd verse. And he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. You can see the position that he's in. Um, so, Lord, help us to bear with the infirmities of the weak. So you, you eliminate the problem if both operate in the fear of the Lord. Yes, and love one another. Yeah, and that's part of the fear of the Lord. <laughs> And, you know, I'm called to love you, Brother Jerry. You know, not just like you. <laughs> I'm called to love you. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. How, how do we know that we are his? If we have love 
one for another, for the brethren. How shall all men know that we're his? By our love, one, you know, for another. Yeah, it's, there it is. It's bound up in that too. Yeah, all right. Well, any, any further thoughts or questions or comments? I did it again. It's almost one. Sorry. Uh, or not sorry. <laughs> As the case may be. <laughs> Sorry, not sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. You're asking. You're asking homeschool kids. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I know. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's let's go, Lord, in prayer. Uh, Brother Jerry, would you pray for us and return thanks for the meal? Mm-hmm. We give you thanks for that love that you have for us. Yes. A love that we sometimes don't understand, Father. But we give you all the love that we know how towards you and towards each other here in this place. Mm-hmm. And toward all of those brothers and sisters that we have around the world, Father. Yes. Who love us. Dear Heavenly Father, forgive us of our many shortcomings. And we're just thankful for this place that we can come aside from the world. Yes. Amen.